This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. The title of my message this morning is The Power of the Blood. The Power of the Blood. I want you to know, say that with me, the blood has power. The blood of Jesus Christ has power to change me and deliver me. Amen. So we're talking about the blood or the power of the blood. And I want to continue where Jesus, what Jesus did for us on the Easter weekend, so that we can continue to walk in freedom throughout our lives. Because there's no use just celebrating Easter, but not appropriating what God has done for us on the cross. The Bible says in Proverbs 29 verse 18, If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Let me just take a quick time out and a shout out for our app. If if you've got our app or if you don't have it, please download our app and you can follow with all the messages. Fill in the blanks there. And if you don't want to fill in the blanks, then uh, we'll reveal the answers to you also as you go along. But you can use those notes, uh, obviously, in your groups, your soul groups, wherever you're meeting uh, in the week. So if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. I've noticed that when people are in bondage, when things are holding them back, when things are are causing them not to live the life that Christ has called them for, that people tend to stumble over themselves. Just take, for example, if you're not dealing correctly in your finances, it's just you just start getting all these phone calls all the time. People wanting money. People wanting to say, when you're doing this, when you're doing that, and you tend to then stumble over yourselves because you can't meet your commitments because you are not free in the area of your finances. I'm not saying that you're debt free. I'm saying that you're managing your finances simply in the right way. Amen? We all have debt. Amen? So if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves because people are not free in that area. But when they attend, when they, when they apply the word of God, when they appropriate the blessings of the cross, when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. So a lot of people are in a mess with their personal lives and they they lack freedom in areas of their life. And today, this is such an important message for me coming out of Easter, going into the month of freedom, because family, we want you to be free. We all want to be free. I want to be free of each and everything that's holding me back. Amen? Because I want to be a productive member of society. I want to be a productive member of the church. I want to be a productive leader so that I can lead people into other areas of their lives. And so the Bible says in Psalm 16 verse 11, why is this important? You will show me the way of life. You see, if we attend to the things of God, then he will show us the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence And the pleasures of living with you forever. In other words, family, when we listen to what God is telling us, if we appropriate what God has done for us, you're not following a church. You're not following a doctrine. You are listening to what God is telling you to do. You see, too many and too often we want to say, yeah, I don't want to listen to that church. I don't want to listen to that pastor. Don't. Listen to what the word of God is telling you. Amen, family? And when you do, He will then show you, God, Jesus, will show you the way of life. All the answers you ever needed is in this book. Amen? Granting you the joy of His presence. Wow. 
In other words, if he shows me the way of life, I will have the joy of his presence. In other words, I will never make a mistake. I will always do the right thing in, the, in any given situation. And the pleasures of living with you forever. Have you considered the pleasures of living with the Lord forever? Amen. So you might say to me, Pastor Johnny, how do we do it right here at Christian Family Church? How do we do this? Well, we have certain values here in the church that helps us to mobilize you to get to that place where you can uh, 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 enjoy this way of life, the joy of his presence, and the pleasures of living with him. What are those four things? You know them pretty well by now. But the first thing is that we need to connect. One of our first values is connect. Connect with God and connect with people. Connect with God and connect with people. And that's how you get to know God right here in the church. Not a mental ability of knowing who God is, but you know God in your heart. And especially when things go wrong, you know where to run to. Number two, discover. Discover your purpose and who you are, what God has created you to do, and that you can do on the growth track. And today, directly after the service, step one of the growth track will be happening in our growth track center. The third thing is, is to find freedom in your life. Free from bondages, free from things that are holding you back, free from things that is causing you not to live the 100% life that God has called you to live. So that you can grow in groups. And fourthly, the fourth value that we have is belong. Be part of something. Don't just be a wanderer. Be part of something. Belong to the family that serves and make a difference. Make a difference in people's lives. You know what? It's, it's an inherent feel. It's an inherent um, trait. It's a, it, it, it's a good feeling when you can make a difference in someone's life. Whether it's a small thing just by giving them the 20 cents or the 10 bucks that they need that short on the grocery bill, by helping somebody cross the street, by packing all their groceries in their car, or maybe taking a whole boot full of groceries to their home because they don't have anything to do. Providing them a cover, cover, shelter, whatever it might be. And we do it right here at this church through our welfare programs and our welfare groups. And if you want to get involved with that, then join us in our welfare groups with Pastor Faisal and Felicity. So those are our values. That's how we can have the way of life. You see, for us, this is, this is normal. But for most people, the Bible says that for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. <laughs> so for many people, this cross, this Bible, this the, the church, that's ah, foolishness. I don't recognize, I don't, I don't, I'm not interested in this. It's foolishness. But for us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Salvation is the power of God, family. Say that with me. Salvation is the power of God. You see, when you're saved, the power of God can operate in your life. And you can call those things that be not as though they were. So even here in Revelations, in the end of time still to come, John is speaking about the fact, he says, Then I heard of a loud voice shouting across the heavens. Revelations 12.10 It has come at last. Salvation and power. And the kingdom of our God. And the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of the brothers and the sisters has been thrown down to earth. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. And they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. I want you to notice three things in this portion of scripture here talking about the power of the blood, is that first of all, 
It has now come. Salvation and power. It doesn't just say salvation has come. It says salvation and power has come. So in other words, with salvation comes the power, the authority. It says there, the sh- salvation and power, the authority of the Christ, and by the blood of the Lamb in your testimony. Three things. Salvation and power. When you get born again, when you get saved, you have the power of God operating and living inside of you, but you have the po- authority of the Christ to say and decree things in Jesus' name. Amen. And thirdly, how do I do this? Because of the power of the blood, what the blood has done for us. It's not atonement. It's not covering it up. It's not until next year. It has done it forever. It's redemption, appropriation of the blessings that Christ has, 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 has procured for us in heaven. The blood of the land and by the words of our testimony. Tell people how good God has been to you, for you. I just love the fact that we just had the billboard charts. It's a secular thing in America. And Lauren Daigle, a Christian singer, is just topping all the charts in that thing. It's just wonderful. There she sings to secular people. You are talking about God, singing about God, Christian artists. That's the way we got to be. Power of the blood. So we understand what happened at Easter, and I'm going to take you on a little bit of a story here and tell you about the things that happened after and why it's so important for us to appropriate this or what it is that we need to appropriate. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 verse 5, and this is the prophet Isaiah prophesying 800 years before Christ. 800 years before Christ. He prophesies what's about to happen, and it's confirmed in 1 Peter 2.24 again in the New Testament. He says here, But he, talking about Jesus, the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, for but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Amen. I want you to notice four things here. It's called the four wounds of the crucifixion. Firstly, he was pierced for our transgressions. Secondly, he was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And lastly, and by his wounds, we are healed. Talking about future tense. Pierced, crushed, punished his wounds. And so today I'm going to be talking about these four things. And I'm going to start from the bottom up, from four to three to two to one. From the bottom up. That's the order in which it happened. And so let me just explain to you who Jesus Christ is. First of all, Jesus Christ is the son of God. But when he came to this earth, he left his powers behind and he came into this earth as a man. He was 100% man on the earth. He was not God. He was a man. So that he can relate to our unique conditions. And so when Jesus Christ Walked on the earth, he had a very, very successful ministry. So much so that the religious leaders of the day started to conspire false evidence against him and wanted to try him and tried to get him rid of him because this man was speaking a different law than what they were preaching and they were keeping the people in bondage. They were not free. And so they conspired against Jesus Christ, a false trial. And so on the night... After the Passover, they went into the Garden of Gethsemane across the Kidron Valley, and Jesus prayed there. And the Bible tells us that this prayer was so intense that even the blood, the sweat was like blood dripping down. 
It was so intense for Jesus Christ. I want you to know this. And I'm going to tell you the story so that you can understand what our Lord and Savior has done for your freedom. To a point where he said, my God, if this cup can pass me, but yet not my will be done, your will be done. He was saying this, this is too much for me. Is there not another way, Father? Because I know what is going to happen. I'm going to be isolated. I'm going to be tormented. I'm going to be tortured. Is there not another way? But I'm not going to let my will be done. I'm going to let your will be done in this situation. And then we know that the, the, the guards of the, of the high priest came and, and seized him and chained him up and took him to the high priest's uh, uh, home. And so they took him to Annas, the, the, the father of, of Caiaphas. And so uh, uh, um, Jesus had actually six trials on the day. He went to Annas, he went to Caiaphas, he went to uh, the Sanhedrin, the religious law or, or, or government of the day. Then he went to Pilate, and then he went to Herod, and then back to Pilate again. Six trials, and each time found innocent. <laughs> so they tried to bring false evidence against him, and the only thing that he confessed to was, are you the son of God? And he said, yes, I am. Ha, oh, blasphemy. And so we see then, he was handed over to Pilate, and Pilate then had him scourged, the Bible says. Scourging is consisted out of two processes. First of all, they would take a cane or a stick, and they would tie him to a post, and they would beat him. And I want you to know that the Roman soldiers, for them, this was not, whew, this is heavy for me to do. They loved it. It was blood sport. You must understand, in the city of Jerusalem at the time, there were 650 Roman soldiers, a cohort the Bible says, was there. And they were ruling and maintaining the peace in this time of the festivals of the Passover of approximately a million people in that city. So they took no nonsense. They couldn't afford an uprising because they would be overrun. I mean, a million people versus 650. They would, the history tells us that they would take young children, throw them in a pit with two hungry dogs and see how the dogs would pull the child apart. Blood sport. So they took a cane, tied him to a post, and they beat him 39 times. It was fun for them. The Bible says then, they took out the cat, the cat with nine tails, which is a, a wooden handle, and attached to it is leather straps, nine leather straps. And at the end of this, you would find bone, metal, or glass that will be affixed to the end of it. They would then dip it into water so that the leather could soak up the water. It could be heavy. And they would take it with both hands. And after they gave him the 39 lashes, they then hit him with a cat of nine tails and hit him on his back. The purpose was to inflict 13 stripes on this side, 13 stripes on this side, and 13 down the back. 39 was the number. And the Bible says they took it and they would have taken the way that the historians uh, recall this, 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 the situation is that they would take it with both hands and they would hit him on the one side and then yank it down because those glass bone or metal would hook into the muscle and it would tear the muscle down. And blood would flow. And they would do this 39 times. 13, 13, 13. Eventually he's, he's back was just like ribbons. Blood was flowing all over. His muscles were torn. Josephus, the Jewish historian, says that when you looked at his back from behind, you could see his intestines from behind. 
They estimate that the amount of flesh that was ripped from Jesus' back was approximately one and a half square meters. And so today, the whip, the whip represents the freedom in your body. Because his body was broken for you. So that you can have healing in your body. That you can have freedom in your body. Whatever is inside of you that is broken, that is defunct. Jesus took the punishment on the cross. He took it 13, 13, 13. So that you can be free. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. So that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by the wounds or by his wounds. You have been healed. He paid the price. Come on, give the Lord a praise. His body was broken for mine. So I can be free. And so the story continues after they inflicted the pain of, of that. They then took him into the praetorium, which is like the, 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 the area that the gods hang out, the, 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 the hangout place. And, they, and they, the Bible says that he was so bloody that he was marred beyond recognition. And the Bible says that they put a purple robe over him and they mocked him. And they beat him and pulled his beard and say, prophesy, who hit you? And the Bible says that they put a stick in his hand and the whole cohort, a cohort is between 450 and 650 men, came out, took the stick and beat him on his head. As a Roman soldier, I can assure you that they were not saying, they were beating him up. Josephus, the Greek historian, once again says that the size of his head swelled up twice the size of a normal man. He was marred beyond recognition. And then to top it all, so that that wasn't enough already, ribbons, blood just flowing, his head being pummeled twice the size of a normal man's head. Can you imagine the pain that he was going through in his mind? Because in a second, you could just say, stop. And he could make all of them look like a little grease spot. But then they took a crown of thorns. You say you're the king of the Jews, you need a crown. They put it inside of his head with two inch, of, two inch long thorns and pushed it inside of his temple on the one side and through his brow on the other side. And the pain that he felt in his head brings me to the second point. The thorns, it's freedom in my mind. It's freedom in my mind. So I have freedom in my mind. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. <laughs> you don't have to go through this tormenting. You don't have to go through this pain. You don't have to let your mind control you in this environment. I've gone through this. I've paid for this. In Isaiah 26.3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You see, family, if we stay in his peace, if our mind is stayed on him, we can trust in him and God will take us through no matter what the situation. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a praise. The thorns, freedom in my mind. And then Jesus was taken after all of that, then taken, he was asked then to, to carry his cross all the way to the place of the skull where he would be crucified. And the way they would do it, they would lay the cross down and they place the person on the cross and then put the, the nails through the hands and through the feet so that the person cannot move on the cross. And the purpose of crucifixion was suffocation, to suffocate people. 
And so Jesus was nailed to the cross through the hands and through the feet on the cross. And the cross was then lifted up and it was thonged into the hole. The Bible says the minute they did that, according to the book of Isaiah, his joints became unjointed. And he suffered through his hands and through his feet. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, the Bible says that there's a record book of sin that we have. And God took all the sin of the world and poured it out on Christ. And at that moment when all sin was in between their relationship, Jesus felt separation from God. And that's why he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And God poured out. He pierced him. He crushed him. He wounded him. Poured out all his wrath on the sin that Jesus took. Which brings me to the third thing, the nails. Freedom in my hands. You see, your hands represents everything that you've done and your feet everywhere that you've walked. Everything that you've done that you shouldn't have done, everywhere that you've walked that you shouldn't have walked. And so he bought freedom by the nails. Freedom in my hands. And Jesus says, because of this, I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sin no more. He doesn't remember your sin, family. When Jesus said, it is done, God looks at the blood on the mercy seat. He does not look at your sin. He doesn't look at the law. He looks at the blood and then he passes over you. And then I love this. This is awesome. Because you see, we never forgive ourselves. We never forgive ourselves when we've sinned. It says in Hebrews 9.14, just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our conscience from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. You see, you need to be free in your hands and your feet. Your conscience needs to be clear. Your hands need to be clear. Your feet needs to be clear. Because otherwise you walk in bondage and you're not free. And you need to be free. Because he paid for it on the cross. My hands, my actions are forgiven. I have the freedom to be free. Because he paid for it on the cross. The Bible says, and as he hung there, six hours on the cross. And eventually, because the purpose, you see, the purpose of crucifixion <clears throat> is not just to die hanging on a cross. It is first of all so that you can die from suffocation. Because as you're hanging on a cross with your, with your muscles here on your back, shredded to, to ribbons, you do not have the strength to pull yourself up. So you're going to push yourself up on your knees so you can take a breath and you would fall down again. And your rib cage would just push up against your lungs and eventually you'll start to suffocate. And that's why they would come at a certain time and they would break the knees of the people so that they could not push themselves up to take a breath. So he hung on the cross. Jesus said, I lay my life down. No one takes it from me. He did not die from suffocation. He didn't die because they killed him. He decided when he was going to die. It is done. Amen. He is the way maker. Just think how much more 
the blood of Christ will purify our conscience from sinful deeds. And as Jesus was on that cross, he died on the cross. He laid down his life. No one took it from him. Let's hope we're going to get through this. (laughs) And they came, broke the knees of the other two on the other side, came to Jesus, saw that he was dead. But they had to make sure. And they took the spear and they would have pushed it up underneath his ribcage into his heart just to make sure that he's dead. The Bible says as the Roman soldier did that, blood and water came out of his chest cavity. Which means that when you die, it takes a while for the blood to separate or to congeal. And so if water and blood comes out at the same time, it has a significance as well. But let me just say this, medically speaking, that means that your bodily fluids are sort of separating itself. And so when they pushed the spear through his heart, his heart was already broken. You see, Jesus didn't die because of suffocation. He died of a broken heart. While they were yet sinners, he died for them. He died of a broken heart. Long before the spear was pushed into his heart. In Psalm 147.3, the Bible says he heals the brokenhearted because of that. He heals the brokenhearted. And binds up their wounds. This spear, freedom in my heart. So that I can live with a free heart, not have any animosity towards other people. I can be free. All of this is just unnecessary. I can be free in Jesus' name. As it says in Psalm 116 verse 11. If I do this, if I accept what you've done for me on the cross, Lord. You will show me the way of life. Granting me the joy of your presence. And the pleasures of living with you forever. Receive him today. He has paid the price. The blessing is yours. What he's done on the cross is yours. You need to appropriate it by faith in Jesus' name. Come on, give the Lord a praise. Waymaker, miracle worker, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Hmm. Thank you for your presence, Holy Spirit. Heal every wound. Every piercing, every transgression. Every punishment where we've been crushed in our lives. Heal us, Holy Spirit. Heal us, Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. We pray in Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this place this morning, you say, Pastor China, I've been pierced. I've been crushed. I've been punished. I have wounds. No one is moving around. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. You say, I never knew what Jesus did for me on the cross. And today, I receive it. I receive it. 
I appropriate it. Because it is the power of the blood. That blood has power to deliver me from all four of those things. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.